The legendary Art Garfunkel is the guest on the Goldmine Magazine podcast. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine. And Art Garfunkel, of course, came out with his autobiography, What Is It All But Luminous? Notes from an Underground Man. And it will be coming out in paperback in September of this year. And Art will be on here uh, to talk about the records that changed his life. There's a section in the book that talks about that, and he will definitely elaborate on it. And we'll be right back after this message from CygnusRadio.com with Art Garfunkel. Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine, the music collector's magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. Here's a man who's right on time. (laughs) Hello. Don't, Don't laugh at punctuality. It's a beautiful thing. Well, I'm I'm unlike most rock stars. I <laughs> <laughs> I'm Art Garfunkel now. Remind I know you. Who is this? Pat is it Gold Mine Magazine. Yep, Pat Prince. Okay, um, good. Pat, Pat Prince. Yeah. It's got a sound, Pat. You're in show business. <laughs> you must be, you're an inch away from the stage with that name. Art, I'm on the wrong side of show business. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll let you know at the end of the interview. <laughs> um. I'm prepared to give you my 10 life-changing records. You know, a lot of people that uh, we interview for this, this section mentioned Simon and Garfunkel. And, and newer generation bands um, mentioned Simon and Garfunkel, too. Um, you know, we're talking bands that are just coming out and they're, you know, 20 or... Well, everybody's younger than me, so my list really covers a whole bunch of decades. You can see a little bit of American musical history through my list. Uh, I wrote an autobiography last year. In that, it's a little bit of a grab bag of, of different things. It's in that on page, where is the book? Hang on a second. 222. Mm. It says 25 records in the order they oh, changed it does. my life. Wow, okay. I, I played right into your hands. <laughs> this, is, this is 25. The book came out uh, last year. So this was my thoughtful look at my own past. Number one, Enrico Caruso. Mm. An aria from the Pearl Fishers. There's an opera called The Pearl Fishers. P-E-A-R-L, like a pearl. Mm-hmm. Fishers. F-I-S-H-E-R-S. Fishermen. Fishers. Hmm. The Pearl Fishers is the opera. And there's a particular aria, A-R-I-A, in that piece that I fell in love with when I was five. It's a true answer to your question. Records that changed my life. Right. When I heard Caruso singing la-da-dee-da-dee-da, la-da-da-dee-da-dee-da-dee-da, <laughs> that little, isn't that pretty? That little twist at the end, la-da-da-dee-da, la-da-dee-da. You hear it? Yes. Dee-da, that little twist, dee-da. I was five, and I was smitten with that little twist, <laughs> because Caruso was a hell of a singer. So how do you put that down on my list? Put the artist as Enrico Caruso, and the 
Right. The singer's an aria from the Pearl Fishers. Next, the artist, number two, is Nat King Cole. Oh. The song is Nature Boy. There was a boy. The very different minor key or dissonant melody of Nature Boy. Now, you want me to say some things about each? Well, I am. If you're yes. recording me, I'm spontaneously saying. It was the differentness of the melody. Maybe it's the minor key that I loved. Mm-hmm. Number three. Now, here's the age of rock and roll. And when I heard Frankie Ford, won't you let me take you on a secret? Right. I heard Groove. Now, there was a record that rocked. In a new way, it's rock and roll, and the groove of Frankie Ford's record, it was full of distortion. I loved it. I was 13 or 14, Frankie Ford, Sea Cruise. In fact, I remember that being on in the 70s on a compilation, American Hot Wax. That's how I was introduced to it. I'm for, but, Pat, uh, to me, of all of that, you know, there's a lot that broke out in the early rock and roll. This yeah. is the Chuck Berry, Little Richard days. So you like that, Arthur? I'm talking to myself more than Long Tall <laughs> Sally by Little Richard. Didn't that rock? The king of all those records is Frankie Ford, Sea Cruise, for me. It was a catchy tune. It really was. It was um, the groove. It it pulled you out of your seat onto the dance floor more than any other. Won't you let me take you on a See, cruise? I love that groove. And there was Number the backing two. vocals, too, in that, too, that really added sort of an accent uh, ambiance to it. I don't know. It was, it was full of distortion. Something was very grating about the guitar or the piano. Yeah. It grated on you, but it worked. Yep. Number four... My favorite group that filled my teenage years, the Everly Brothers. Mm. Now, they made an album pack called Songs Our Daddy Taught Us. Mm-hmm. This album, the whole album, uh, is definitely one of the records that changed my life. There was an early Appalachian folk thing where the artist is killer, Don and Phil Everly. Yes. They captured me and my friend who lived three blocks away from me, Paul Simon, and we were students of the Everly Brothers for a year or two. And that probably uh, is metaphorically. On, well, that's probably on his list as well. <laughs> it should be because I know him, and that really was central yeah. to our musical uh, growth. Now, are we up to number number five? five yeah. This was great fun for me. I can give you the in-between ones that make up my 25 that didn't make the list. Look, there's there's Bing Crosby on Dreaming of a White Christmas. That When I heard the ease of his baritone, mm. I really was, uh, I got into ease as a singer myself. When I heard the crew cuts, shaboom. I don't know if you're old enough to know that. It goes way back. It had a lead singer up front. It had two in the background. Of course. That simple format, lead singer up front, two in the background in harmony, was executed by the crew cuts better than any other. And that affected me and my rehearsals with Paul Simon. Hmm. Uh, I didn't say Huey Piano Smith. Don't you just know it? How I love that. I didn't say Sam Cooke. You send me. And that's a record that changed my life. Sam sang with such open-throated force and beauty that as a singer, Artie Garfunkel was really <clears throat> sitting at Sam Cooke's feet. Now let me um, ask you something. Did, did you save a lot of these records? 
Are they still, do you still have them in your collection? You mean physically? Yeah. I'm not sure about me and my sister. That's too personal a question. I think I have everything and I can find nothing. So I think that's the same as I have nothing. I don't have anything. I can't find my stuff. Just because we're, um, you know, Music Collectors Magazine, so that's a question that our readers would love to know if you still had your record collection from when you were young. Somewhere. Yes. Somewhere. But the question sounds, your question sounds very much like homework. Will I I ever find it? I doubt it. I need it. Folks, goldmine readers, you wonderful people, I need an assistant. Okay, next. Uh, Four, here's number five, Johnny Mathis. You could predict that. You could figure Artie Garfunkel likes Johnny Mathis' singing. It's not for me to say you love me. Brilliant stuff. Just a gorgeous singer. So when I was a young 14-year-old, I thought he was the, the one. He was, uh, a, he was a crooner, yeah. He, he definitely, he was smooth. Very smooth voice. He was really good. His vibrato was unearthly. Yes. It was heaven sent. In his finest recordings, he was king. I just gave you, to me, that was his best. His vibrato was killer. Mm-hmm. It's not for me to say mm-hmm. you love. The, the fervency and the amount of vibrato, the amount, the dialing it in just right is what great singers do, and he is. Here's my six. This is fun. Ike and Tina Turner, River well, Deep, Mountain High. There's a, a record one. that changed my life. It was so fucking great. Yes. Do I love you? Now call that Phil Spector's masterpiece. That's really what it is. And that says a lot since he created many masterpieces or or was behind it. The artist certainly executed. They delivered. But Phil's vision is grandiose in the best sense. When you hear the girls singing and and all the cello coming in in rhythm and the maracas, all these elements in a studio record, a fucking kitchen sink, all mixed and balanced artfully. Yeah. The kitchen sink balanced artfully. Wow. Yeah, and they called it the wall of sound. It's a good way of explaining it. He really filled it all in. Yeah, he worked with quantity successfully. Usually that could be a mess, but it was big. (laughs) He was the best definition of grandiose. Although the end of Bridge Over Troubled Water was a good version of grandiose. Next, we're up to six, seven. The Beatles here, there, and everywhere. To feed a better life, I need my love to be here. This little fluty melody is from the gods. Yes, it is. When McCartney wrote that, his head was up looking at clouds. Now, do you, I love that. Now, do you remember when you first heard the Beatles? Coming back to my room on Amsterdam Avenue from architecture class, there was my roommate, Kenny, somebody. He had been talking about the Beatles, the way he pronounced it, and what a funny name, the Beatles. And there was, I want to hold your hand on the radio, as I walked into my uh, apartment with my roommates. 
And I stopped and listened. And I thought, oh, it's good rock and roll. They stole from Little Richard. Yes. Ooh, those high, <laughs> fluty, <laughs> open harmonies. Uh, but they're juicy and they're full of great spirit. It was, I want to hold your hand. And I liked it, but I didn't think it was terribly different. Or right. didn't think it was world-shaking. But I guess with effort and management and humor and tenacity, it was world-shaking. Yes. And did you know at the time they were British? Did you pick that up, or was Kenny something no, going on? No, not at first. Not at first, but British was big, Pat. You know, you're hitting a big theme. Of course. Us youngsters, my I must have been 25 or so. The fact that it was British intrigued the hell out of us. And sure. And along came so many others. And in turn, they were intrigued. Across the Mersey, all this British stuff. And in, in turn, they were intrigued by Americans. <laughs> So it, it it was a full cycle there. They must have loved Dylan. Yeah, our export Bob Dylan spoke very well for for uh, capturing the British imagination. Yes, yes, he did. In fact, uh, them meeting him, as I'm sure you did, uh, uh, changed their lives. Um, but. These are records that changed my life. Yes, that's true. And so what I heard <laughs> here, there, and everywhere, I was smitten with a wonderful, that was a great, great record. When I heard the Swingle Singers, Jazz, Sebastian, Bach, an album of an, a, a Parisian a bunch of singers from Paris, Ward Swingle taught, the, taught these eight Parisian singers to take the notes of Bach's chorales and various short pieces and sing them with a doo-wop jazz style, being totally true to Bach's notes. But, but they swang it, and I love that album. See, now you turn me onto something. I'm going to have to check that because out. Because Bach, Bach is so brilliant when the notes are lived up to faithfully, and along comes a drummer on brushes. And you add that to Bach's notes, you get a great album. Hmm. So that's uh, The you, Swingle, S-W-I-N-G-L-E. The Swingle Singers, Jazz, Sebastian, Bach. Do you remember when that was released? There about you know whereabouts, seventies, uh, either early seventies or late sixties. Okay, I'll look it up. Yeah, you'll be singing it to yourself for years after. Uh, now we're up to nine, I think. Yep. Okay, now I'm a singer and I love uh, harmony, and this is the album is suddenly it's the high lows. Hmm. Suddenly, it's the high lows. And the artist is the Hilos. Right. H I hyphen capital L O. And Hilos is. Uh, how do you get the S in there? Well, they were the <laughs> And they might, have put put a, the they might have put an apostrophe. Uh, I don't they, think so. No? It's not like it was owned. They didn't, no, they did. It's not like one Hilo owned them. It's plural. I guess L O. I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to look that up. Suddenly, it's the high lows. This goes way back. Well, you know, it rock, really affected me. Music and rock and roll, they never cared about grammar or where the apostrophe went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, that belongs on the list. It really affected me. I, in college, I was smitten by how adventurous some of these harmonies were. Mm. I'm not much of a jazzer, but I got um, a, a couple of feet into the water there. 
Well, when you heard, when you first heard a lot of these songs, they just uh, encouraged you more. Did they in the back of your mind were you thinking I've got to I've got to be better. I I've got to be just as good as that. Um, no, not really. No, no. I just was a, a just consumer, like a, just listening and loving mm-hmm. and being affected by. My sugar is so refined. She's one of those high class kind. She never wears a hat. She wears a chapeau. She goes to see the cinema, but never a show. Bop bop bop. My sugar is so refined. You see what I'm getting? Yep. At? And the high harmony really went wild. I gave it just a taste of going high, but the chords were really far out. They were ninths and elevenths and thirteenths. Uh, very adventurous chords that were, uh, that was the whole point of it, that we could stretch a normal barbershop four-part harmony and and give you 17th chords, chords you never heard of, stretched harmonies. That's what I heard, stretched harmonies. And the last of the things that changed my life is Steve Reich, R-E-I-C-H, Music for 18 Musicians. Hmm. That really affected me. Came out ten years ago. Hmm. So when you first Pick heard it, it listen to it. But it struck you right know. away, and yeah, it's very. I have a musical center, and this was very musical. Hmm. It, it's worth picking up if you, in the age of googling, if you can Google up and hear music for eighteen musicians. Some uh, minutes of it are not as good as others, but then it hits things that for me are just wonderful chord happenings. It's a pulsing bunch of vibraphones oh. doing a rhythmic thing. They're rhythmically doing some hopping, dancing thing. Vibraphones, like the xylophones. And then against that pulse, once you start dancing with their little it's got a melodic twist to what's going on. That's your mid-range. Along come bass clarinets, Patrick. Bass, bass clarinets. They play slow and long. They're down there and they're slow. And all their chosen notes, the harmony of what they're doing against the vibraphone is a wonderful chordal happening. The dissonance going on between what the clarinets down there play and what the vibes are playing, when you hear the combination of harmony... It's very cool. Hmm. And that was about 10 years ago, huh? I'll have to check Maybe that out. Maybe a little too. more. Okay. Maybe 15? Yeah. Steve Reich, R-E-I-C-H. I consider him a, a major guy in the world of modern classical music. Now, did you ever think of covering um, any of these songs that you mentioned, any of these records? Yeah, I think so. Well, Whether that would be on tour. Cruise. I never thought of doing that. There was a boy. I have thought of doing Nature Boy with my son, Arthur Jr. Yeah. I would I would like to hear you do Sea Cruise. That would be pretty pretty cool, actually, if you did that on you gotta tour. Kick, you got to kick my ass into the studio to do it. If I was tricked into the studio, something interesting would probably come out. You're yeah. right. Yes. I, I'm just... 
getting shy. As keep that keep by. that song in your mind. <laughs> because I have that groove within me. I can rock with that rhythm. Uh, I didn't. I would not do. It's not for me to say. Johnny Mathis did the classical version. I ain't doing River Deep Mountain High. That's more of a record than a song. I can't do here, there, and everywhere. McCartney did the definitive version. And so many I never allow comparison. And so many people have tried to cover the Beatles. You, know? you can't compare that one to to their the Beatles version. La da dee da dee da da. This is so divine. I could stop the interview now and say, there's music, and then there's the song I just sang. It's so divine. It's beyond the interview. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me ask you before we, we stop, um, is there anything recently, I know you mentioned something about 10 years ago, but recently that hit you, that you heard on the radio or you've heard on the television anywhere? Um, no, what do you think I'm missing? Uh, I think um, I don't think you're missing anything. Current, I haven't listened to his whole album, but uh, I think he's he's good. Who I is think that? John Mayer is a good yeah. good musical man. What am I? What do you think I'm missing? Adele sings her ass off. Yeah. Notice the list doesn't go into the last ten years as if I've not been listening. Well, that's true. What am I missing? Hmm. Who's really? I think good? you named some great singers. It's hard to fill that list um i think you've covered it i don't want to be a jerk and be proud of all the stuff he doesn't know and i we all have blind spots i'm full right. of my blindness right. and you've identified that there's no people of late to me there's a magic word melody pat when yeah. they start showing melody i start getting interesting yeah i get uh, then okay now you're talking don't forsake melody right Amen. You know, Paul Simon was a great writer, is a great writer. Why? He marries wonderful words with yeah. with great melodies. That's songwriting. That's the simple, proper definition of it. Where is it now? Good point. And it's, um, a lot of it's regurgitated, but, you know, what can you do? And, and I think it's going into a sort of, I hate to say it, but sort of... Um, <laughs> Kind of like Dadaism, sort of like an anti-music. <laughs> terrible thing you just said. I know, but I everything goes... Your sentence, I said, Arthur, say nothing, because you, <laughs> you're not listening and you have no point of view. It's not fair to give anything, Artie, I say to myself. <laughs> but when the time you finish your sentence, I go, oh, it is? Oh, how awful. That's Nowheresville. We know that from the early 20th century. Yes, we do. It's gimmickry, trying to be passed off. Yes. The real thing went away. That's what it feels like. But doesn't everything go in cycles? I mean, you see it, uh, you know, who knows if even doo-wop will come back, you know? I mean, everything comes in cycles. Right now, it's... Well, we love, that's why we love that Woody Allen movie, Midnight in Paris. Yes. The glow of the past was seen by the people in the past as a very ordinary thing. They look back to their past to find the glow of the past. Exactly. This thing called the past, it has a very special flavor. We always think it's great. Well, that's why I'm glad a lot of younger bands are looking back at the past and discovering music that they wouldn't normally be pushed on by their peers because it's hip. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the thing that they're hearing on the radio lately. They're dis they're trying to... The magical art of discovery. Uh, look for the real thing. Look for the look for melody. Look for people who played great. Creedence Clearwater. They played with great time. Yes, their drummer. They were solid. That's a great band for solid rhythm. 
pick up on that. That's great. Right. I agree. I, I you know, when you listen to Credence on a really nice stereo, too, it's uh, you could feel everything. You know, you could, it's almost like Isn't the band's... Fleetwood Mac worth studying? Aren't they one of the masters in the history of rock and roll? They are. I remember when they came on the scene, I thought, oh, they're more spare yeah. How but, wonderful. They know just what they're doing in the studio. They've emptied out the instruments, but boy, can, they are great. Yes. Songwriting. Yes, absolutely. When you get songwriting with, like you said, melody, it just, uh, if you do it right, it's going to be it magical. It carries the torch along. Yeah. That's why everyone loves that first feeling of discovery. Feeling... Hearing a song for the first time and feeling like you yourself have discovered that song or that band. Uh, I'm picking I, up good vibrations. Yeah. The first time you hear Brian Wilson's good vibrations, that's very exciting. Um, yeah. But thank you so much. My real pleasure. You're, uh, you're very good to talk to. It was very. Um, I'm very honored, and thank you for taking the time for Goldmine Magazine. Thanks, Pat. I'll Thanks, do it again down the line. Bye-bye. Bye now. The legendary Art Garfunkel, thank you for talking to Goldmine Magazine Podcast, being the guest today. This is Patrick Prince signing off. Don't forget to go to Barnes & Noble and Books A Million and pick up Goldmine Magazine every month or subscribe at goldminemag.com. You can also find exclusive content and contests at goldminemag.com. So we'll see you next time on the Goldmine Magazine Podcast. Bye now. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.